This podcast is brought to you by Reynolds & Reynolds, the industry leader in automotive technology. Learn how operating differently can help you overcome the pressures facing your dealership today at reyrey.com slash operate differently. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome to Daily Drive for Tuesday, May 2nd, 2023. I'm Jamie Butters, Executive Editor of Automotive News. And I'm Kellen Walker. Today on the show, Hyundai and Kia continue their hot streak. Tesla and Ford make tactical changes in the EV price war. And GM Steve Carlisle will retire as the automaker continues to cut U.S. jobs. Plus, new business models are making an impact on the global auto industry. We'll hear from Mike Ramsey, Vice President for Automotive and Smart Mobility at research firm Gartner. I think that the car companies probably need to look at the consumer electronics companies and see how they do it to be effective. Let's run through all the news you need to know to keep up in the auto industry. Hyundai and Kia racked up U.S. sales gains for the ninth straight month in April, signaling pent-up demand remains healthy even as rising interest rates cool the U.S. economy and consumer confidence. Volume rose 15% at Hyundai and 16% at Kia last month, boosted by higher inventories and incentives. Hyundai's retail sales rose 5% in April, and fleet volume accounted for 8% of total deliveries in the month. Toyota posted mixed results, with the namesake brand's sales slipping 2.2% for a fourth straight monthly decline, while Lexus sales jumped 22%. Altogether, Toyota volume ticked up 0.7%. Honda and Subaru are expected to report later today, with Ford and Volvo releasing figures tomorrow. Other companies report U.S. sales only quarterly, if at all. Tesla is raising prices on its most affordable vehicles. It added $250 to the starting stickers of the Model 3 sedan and Model Y crossover. That's after deep price cuts earlier in the year to spur sales. Overall, Tesla has sharply reduced prices this year, although it also had made a few upward adjustments before Monday's increase. On the other front of the EV price war, Ford is cutting the price of the Mustang Mach-E by as much as 7%. The latest price reductions range from $700 to $3,700, depending on trim level. CEO Jim Farley has called Tesla's ability to frequently alter pricing in the response to market demand a competitive advantage that would force rivals to follow suit. Ford last lowered Mach-E prices in January following Tesla's price cuts. General Motors North America President Steve Carlisle is retiring after a 41-year career with the automaker. Carlisle has run GM's largest and most profitable region since September 2020. He will hand over the reins on June 1st to Cadillac chief Rory Harvey, who has led the luxury brand over that same period of time. GM promoted two other executives. John Roth will take over Harvey's role as vice president of Global Cadillac. Josh Tavel, executive chief engineer for battery electric trucks and SUVs since 2019, will succeed Roth as Global Vice President of Customer Care and After Sales. Those changes also take effect June 1st. Meanwhile, GM says it has cut several hundred full-time contract workers, including at its engineering hub in suburban Detroit. It's the latest effort to streamline operations and cut $2 billion from annual spending over the next two years. The contractors who lost their jobs were within global product development at locations including the company's Warren Tech Center. The Wall Street Journal reported the job cuts earlier. GM said in April 
that about 5,000 salary workers had opted for buyouts to leave the company. In February, GM cut hundreds of executive level and salary jobs. CEO Mary Barra said in a memo to employees last month that the February job cuts and 5,000 buyouts have provided about $1 billion toward the $2 billion target. And those are today's headlines. Jamie, with Tesla raising their prices on the Model 3 and Model Y, do you think other automakers will follow suit? You know, most automakers have actually still been raising their prices on EVs. They've kind of tried to keep it steady, you know, because uh, it's upsetting to customers when they're on a wait list and they see the prices going up. You know, Ford's been kind of funny. They were the only one to really follow Tesla in cutting prices. Maybe Tesla overshot a little, so they're correcting back. You know, Farley's not wrong. The ability to adjust prices to market demand more frequently can help an online seller adapt somewhat the way that actual dealers do when they negotiate deals with people and get a real feel for what the market will bear. So I think we'll continue to see a lot of tweaks, but everyone else is really in short supply and not likely to be cutting prices anytime soon. Got it. Coming up, one automotive researcher says automakers need to take a page from consumer electronics companies to compete in a new tech landscape. We'll hear from Gartner's Mike Ramsey next on Daily Drive. Economic uncertainty, vehicle affordability, and ever-increasing customer expectations are threatening the profitability and efficiency gains you've made over the last couple of years. You may be finding the strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. You offer online options so customers can begin the buying process remotely, but your salespeople have to rebuild the deal or correct it during the in-store appointment. You ask your advisors to be proactive about calling customers to get work approved, but still wind up with occupied bays and stalled jobs when the customer doesn't answer the phone. Your business office clerks are trying to process deal jackets faster, but funding still takes weeks. The strategies you've used to improve performance in the past just aren't as effective as they once were. Getting better at outdated and inefficient processes will only get you so far. Let's face it, Netflix isn't a household name because they got really good at mailing DVDs. And nearly half of Apple's revenue comes from the iPhone, not from the computers the company was founded on. These companies evolved as new challenges presented themselves instead of sticking with the status quo. It's time for a mindset shift. It's time to operate differently. Finding new and innovative ways to operate is essential to effectively managing the pressures facing your dealership. Visit reyrey.com slash operate differently to get started. That's R-E-Y-R-E-Y dot com slash operate dash differently. Welcome back to Daily Drive. I'm Jamie Butters with Kellen Walker. Automakers and suppliers are accelerating the pace at which they introduce new technology into their vehicles and products. Becoming increasingly software-minded and selling more features and functionalities as a service also means developing new business models to make money and compete in this new environment. Mike Ramsey is Vice President for Automotive and Smart Mobility at research firm Gartner. He talked about these trends with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. Here's a piece of their conversation. So let me pick one of those technologies to focus on for a moment. And it is that assisted driving system that I think, you know, I would agree with you that it's really at this precipice of becoming uh, something new. Is that a prime example of a, of a really interesting technology, which I'll call automated driving writ large that is, that is now being connected to a, a pragmatic business model? Yeah, for sure. And I'm going to partially toot my own horn on this, okay? 
Uh, no, I, I would say a few years ago when we were sort of trying to figure out what we were going to make of the autonomous driving landscape, the thing that stuck out to me the most was that at that time, there was a really strong pushback against the concept of a level three system, a highway driving system. It wasn't possible, you know, it wasn't practical. All along, I thought, well, maybe not exactly how that definition is set up, but there is a clear business model for making hands-off, eyes-off driving for these long, boring drives or in stop-and-go driving because now you're going to get consumers to pay money for that. That's a valuable feature. At the time, we were just so heavily focused on robocabs as the only or you know, class eight long haul trucks as the really only good business model for AVs, we kind of missed out on the fact that the technical leap required to do that was so high that the near term revenue was not going to be there, right? I, and I think that that's really still the case. And uh, so the, you know, these advances that we've had in the assisted driving, they're getting better and better. And now actually it makes the business model better as well because people who have been in the cars can see the advantages of it. So very recent example of this, I think, is two days ago, there's a story about Tesla slashing prices, right? Elon is essentially selling cars at costs, uh, banking on the idea he's going to make profits on on selling self-driving subscriptions. One of the headlines I saw on a story from, from one of our competitors here at Automotive News was, is he desperate or disruptive? So along these lines, how would you answer that question? You know, this is so interesting because, and I haven't always been a huge fan of Mr. Musk, but I, I actually sort of am buying the premise that Tesla is smart to get as many vehicles sold as possible. They are one of the only car companies that's been able to effectively monetize their connectivity and their software. The self-driving software is one of the big ones, right? Uh, that, that's the one that generates the most potential recurring revenue, but they also have a huge charging network, right? The more cars that are out there that are using their own network, uh, they generate revenue from that. There are other services that they may be able to create um, to bundle in. And, you know, it's not quite the same as cutting prices to move the metal in the old dynamic, right? You know, it's a little bit different because they do have these multiple other recurring revenue services that are sort of tied into their ecosystem. And so I buy it. I buy it a little, maybe not totally, but a little bit more than if, say, you know, uh, one of our traditional automakers said something similar. Well, it's interesting because I think it's, we're really seeing this bifurcation of hardware and software play out. And this is, this is one example of that. Are automakers software companies right now, and and do they need to be if they're not? Uh, no, uh, automakers are not definitely not software companies. They are hardware companies, and they're going to remain hardware companies. But there's whether they have stated it publicly directly or not. In fact, I don't think any of them have actually said it directly publicly. They're trying to progress towards a model that's similar to Apple. I always I use this example because I think people can really get it. Apple is a hardware company. They're a consumer electronics company. They sell, you know, phones primarily, but now an increasing array of other electronics. 
But those electronics, absent the Apple operating system and all the applications that Apple builds and updates over time, and the ecosystem that's around it is not very, you know, it's, it doesn't have the same value without all that software that goes with the hardware. So the car companies are lurching in that direction slowly. They're making changes to the hardware. So the car itself, we'll call it the iPhone, you know, they're making it possible for it to accept services and be supported by digital technologies. And they're also trying to figure out how to change their organization so that they can support that hardware. And that's a difficult thing to do when you have a, a company that is completely set up around a systems engineering approach, you know, to build physical hardware. You also have to have software that that's there when the car ships, but also it was like, you're never done, right? It's going to keep being updated over time. So, I mean, we talked about driver and assist features as one, as one example of, of this collection of functionality that automakers can now sell. If we're looking at all these features a la carte, is there a point where I, as a customer, just buy my, my Tesla because Elon's selling it essentially at cost? So let's use them as the example. And I subscribe mm-hmm. not to a feature, but to a a whole operating system that that comes with with all those applications bundled together. Well, you know we're not exactly there yet, and I think how this will play out exactly is a little bit difficult to foresee. But let me put it uh, this way: we are already in a spot where you can buy a car with a certain set of features, and download for a price capability. So Mercedes-Benz and BMW, they offer already the ability to spend extra money after the fact to get dynamic suspension, right? Something that's, you know, different than what you have now. Or lights that adjust automatically the high beam or turn, you know, like as you're going around the corner. These are things, these are features that you can actually pay for after the fact if you buy the car. And the interesting thing about that to me is that the original owner of the car may not choose to get that, but then you sell the car used to someone else and it's like, I would like this feature. Now the car company actually has a means of monetizing after the fact, this feature. And then secondarily, it also raises this idea that you could decouple the capabilities of the car that it ships with from what it has at any given time. What, what's really kind of mysterious is how the pricing of that is all going to work. I think the car companies would love to price every single thing, but it's probably a little bit more realistic that a lot of digital features will just come with the car, and that's like part of the manufacturer promise. And some things that are paid for now eventually will just be part of the deal, right? Like over time, they become expected, and now we're just bundling that in with the base price. And I, I don't think the car companies have quite figured out what that line is yet on um, how they're going to bundle and price for, for these digital features. Curious how customers feel about all this. If I, if I take your example, I think it was BMW uh, within the last year tried to sell subscriptions to the, uh, the seat heaters and right. they caught a lot of flack for that. So is there a is there a line between what's already expected as kind of a a basic function today and something that I don't mind subscribing to. 
Um, well, the, here's, here is the data supports very strongly from Gardner's done this research, you know, other, other firms have also done this research. It's been repeated by a bunch of different groups. Consumers hate this. A very small percentage of people have said that they are, are okay or like this type of business model. And by very small, I mean like 15% out of the whole, you know, usually around two thirds of consumers say, I will never do this, or I have no interest in doing this. Um, so I, I say that that's pretty strong indication. Our, Gartner has done a research survey that showed that people would much prefer to just pay for this upfront. They would pay more money for these features upfront. This kind of gets what I was saying with the package. Um, if you look at our friends at Tesla, Tesla has uh, free connectivity up to a certain you know, amount of data every month, and it comes with connected navigation. So every Tesla has it, right? For $10 a month, which is really not that much, you get this whole expanded grouping of digital services, higher bandwidth, but you can watch Netflix while you're parked. And, and there's a bunch of other things that they pulled into that um, $10 a month fee, which kind of correlates to like a higher amount of data, right? So you're not even paying for the services. It's almost like you're just paying for more data and the ability to have this extra bandwidth in your vehicle. All the other car companies are charging way, 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 way more money for services here and there and like trying to get, I don't want to say nickel and diming. There's a lot of different ways that they're trying to get you to pay for things where Tesla, the most successful company in this area has a very low relative rate for a pretty high number of features and full self-driving, you know, that's a, that's a really different kind of product. They're not the only ones who are doing this. Ford is also charging a subscription, which is actually relatively inexpensive for the Blue Cruise. Um, so uh, my suspicion, although I don't know that to be true, is that the industry will end up being dragged closer to what Tesla is doing because it won't work otherwise. <laughs> you know, um, and they, they are going to have to basically have a free tier that includes a lot of digital services already. And then they'll have a, a paid tier that is not going to be that expensive that includes the other stuff. Um, and again, going back to your Apple friends, uh, or my Apple friends, I should say, that's kind of how Apple does it. The The stuff that you pay extra for for Apple is they give you a free tier. It's pretty good for Apple Cloud. And then if you want to get expanded storage, it's really cheap, relatively speaking. And... Um, and I think that the car companies probably need to look at the consumer electronics companies and see how they do it to be effective. Mike Ramsey is vice president for automotive and smart mobility at research firm Gartner. He talked with our own Pete Bigelow on Shift, a podcast about mobility. You can hear their full conversation wherever you get your podcasts. That's Daily Drive for today. I'm Jamie Butters. And I'm Kellen Walker. Thanks to Automotive News coordinating producer Jake Neer, as well as our own David Phillips, Lawrence Iliff, Michael Martinez, and Lindsay Van Holy for their help on today's podcast. You can get the latest news on innovation in tech, sales results, and everything happening in the auto industry at autonews.com. If you enjoy the podcast, remember to like, leave a review, and subscribe so you never miss an episode.